0: Hello and welcome to the Vinyl Crawl, your weekly podcast about vinyl records and craft beer. I'm your host, Alan Miller. Um, This is going to be episode number 38, where we talk about John Prine's uh, Tree of Forgiveness record, which just came out this year, and also the Dark Horse Crooked Tree IPA uh, that we sampled at Blue Holler Brewing Supply in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, Matt and myself will both be on this podcast Uh, But I wanted to talk about a few things going on around the shop and whatnot here at the very beginning. Um, So on the 30th, which is coming up on, let's see, from today, this is Monday the 25th. So the 30th is going to be on Saturday. Uh, We've got a local hard rock blues band called Otis that's going to be doing an in-store for their vinyl record release. So that's going to be from 4 to 6 at Mellow Mats. So if you're in around the area in Nashville or Bowling Green, come by and check it out. I also wanted to talk about one of our good friends of the store. Um, He has a restaurant opening in Bowling Green called Hickory and Oak. Um, So Josh has come to, he's been coming to the shop for a long time. He's had a restaurant called Home Cafe for a long time as well. And this is his new, um, kind of a little more uh, casual dining fair or more formal dining, I guess you could say maybe it's somewhere in the middle. But the cool thing about this place, Hickory and Oak, is they're going to be spinning vinyl records in there as well. So he's got a turntable set up. Uh, I think he's trying to work that into his menu a little bit so you can see what kind of records that they can spin. But I know he's been working a lot with the shop to, you know, try to get some records in the restaurant, which I think is a really cool way to, um, you know, promote different people in the local community, as well as, you know, just have fun at the restaurant. So they're opening on June 26th, which will be on Tuesday. So a day after the podcast comes out. So if you're in and around Bowling Green, uh, definitely check that place out. It's called Hickory and Oak. So on with the show. I ain't got nobody
1: hanging around my doorstep. Ain't got no loose chain, just hanging around my jeans. If you
0: see somebody Alright, we are back at Blue Holler um, Having us a Dark Horse Crooked Tree IPA Yep um, that, Let me ask you real quick Have you had many beers by Dark Horse?
1: Here and there, yeah Yeah
0: They kind of like a Maybe a staple that shows up every now and then?
1: Yep I'm trying to think of Some that I've had There's a few IPAs along the way that I've had.
0: Yeah. Well, this one is the Crooked Tree IPA.
1: Yes. It is uh,
0: a. <laughs> it is very interesting.
1: It is. Uh, I think my palate is crooked right now.
0: <laughs> they market it as a heavily dry hopped IPA. Yeah. Uh, I think I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, it definitely has a hard bitter, bitter kick to it. Um, <laughs> A lot of... They they say that it's slightly malty with a grapefruit citrus.
1: Mm. Definitely get the malt for you sure. You get the malt. I get
0: more of the, um, the hoppy. Yeah. Like, I don't get enough malt on it. I get more hoppy to it. Um, it's 6.5 ABV. Uh, so, you know, decent yeah. mid, mid-range craft. Uh, 48 IBU. Now, I'm not too up on the IBU scale. Like, what's... What's considered the IBU is what is what measures the hops, correct? Is that right? I believe so. So, do you know what an IBU for a heavily hopped beer would be? Like, what kind of range?
1: Oh, I don't.
0: I bet some of these guys do. Yeah, I bet hey, what? Jerry, like, if, if something's would. heavily hopped, how many IBUs does it have? You think? So I think Hop
1: stupid, which is Lagunitas' hoppiest beer. Yeah. Is over hundred IBUs. Okay.
0: Not even 12. Okay. So, there's a good... That's a good scale. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're saying, like, Bud Light would be 12 IBU, and this one is 48. So, yeah. that's... Yeah. So, this is Dark Horse, and they're based out of Marshall, Michigan. Mm-hmm. One of the... I don't know of many other Michigan beers that I know of. Do you
1: know of very many? Uh Yeah. Well, you got Founders.
0: It's Founders, Michigan? And, okay. And, uh...
1: What about Bells? Bells. Yeah, Bells. that's what I was
0: trying to think of. They're Kalamazoo, I think, yeah. or something like that. Yep. And Bell's Too hard. It is one of my go-to IPAs. So that's a good one. I really yep. enjoy it. Everybody
1: them. loves the Oberon, too. Oberon is a fantastic yeah. summer
0: beer. Yes, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so we so this is, you know, I, I would say maybe proceed with caution with this beer. If you right. don't like hops, you will not like this
1: beer. Yeah, it's, it's different.
0: And, you know, like comparing it to something, um, like fresh squeezed oh, IPA yeah. where you have so much citrus on the front, this really has no. hardly any citrus. It has more of the bitter that you get yeah. from like a biting into a grapefruit or something. Right. True. Um, yeah. Yeah. Still not a very drinkable beer, mm-hmm. yeah. but, uh, just be, <laughs> be wary of the, uh of the bitterness you'll get from it because it definitely has a lot of bitterness to it. Uh, It's got it. And the the album we're talking about today to go with the beer is uh, John Prine's The Tree of Forgiveness. So we're having Crooked Tree Beer with The Tree of Forgiveness from John Prine. Yeah. This record came out in 2018. Mm -hmm. John Prine's first album in a long time. (laughs) I can't remember what. Uh, The last one is... um, Actually, his last one's Fair and Square. That's the last record he put out. That and is the last you're a big fan one? of. Yeah. yeah.
1: That Fair was and Square. 08? Let's see. 07? Yeah.
0: Like that. yeah, That's it's a great a, album. It's 05.
1: 05. Wow.
0: Yeah, so this is the first record okay. he's had since 2005. Um, just to give a little backstory on John Prine, if you don't know, uh, he is a famous singer-songwriter, but famous in the sense of... Uh, Famous within circles of Americana people uh, Singer-songwriter types uh, Country artists always Look to him as an influence Um, His first album came out in 1970, I believe 70 or 71 Classic Classic record The self-titled one with him sitting on the hay bale Um, He's known for his ability to take everyday situations and make them into very poetic and beautiful tunes.
1: True. Very um, true.
0: You know, he, he likes to write about the everyday person. Yeah. Which is his greatest quality, I think. And that's, and
1: make it rhyme. And make it rhyme. And it always does. You know, <laughs> it he, always does. He writes
0: a great song. <laughs> um, you know, his early, his early he's from Chicago, but he has family in Kentucky. Yeah. So he liked yeah. to write about the South quite a bit. Um, his early job was as a postmaster, or not postmaster, but a postman yeah. in Chicago. And yep. He wrote a lot of his early tunes on that postal route, uh, just about everyday people. And he kind of made a name for himself because uh, I believe Chris Christopherson found him in a club, mm-hmm. loved it so much, he immediately signed him, and then like the rest is
1: kind of history. Yeah.
0: Never really had a huge career, though. Had a had a solid career.
1: Solid career, consistent.
0: Definitely consistent. I, know. I think that his first five records are maybe some of the best um, Americana slash country albums ever made.
1: Yeah. Sweet Revenge.
0: Diamonds in the Rough. Yeah. Common Sense. Um, what are some of the others that were right around there, too? I can't remember. Um, Bruised Orange.
1: Yeah. The, yep. Those are all... Storm Windows.
0: Storm Windows, yeah. Those are all some of the best americana singer songwriter country music you will ever or folk music even yeah i think folk might even be the better term um yeah but he's really had a renaissance in the last few years because newer artists like jason isbell and uh margot price and amanda shires and uh brandy carlisle they've all cited him as like huge influence yeah um, which I don't know about how you grew up, but I grew up with a lot of Prime in the household as well. Yep, um, I had an yeah. uncle who was kind of obsessed with a guy, and he played uh, Prime Prime, which is the hey. the greatest hits.
1: That was my first introduction to yeah, Prime he, too. He
0: played that on a on a normal basis all the time in his workshop. Yeah. He was a big fan of it.
1: Well, and if you're growing up in Kentucky, it's almost like John Prime was a staple.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of us even knew he wasn't from Kentucky. Right,
1: you for just the longest assumed time. he was because he wrote. Well, you know, his you b- know. one of
0: his biggest tunes is called Paradise, written about uh, that part of Kentucky, like the western part of Kentucky with the coal mining. Um, so we we kind of all just assumed he was
1: yeah from here. Well, and the words to that song are so true, right, to that area it's like well yeah sure he grew up there when
0: somebody name checks Muhlenberg County you just assume they're from Kentucky right because why else would anybody else name check that yeah (laughs) but uh, I guess his family is from here but he's actually from Chicago Um, so in a little bit sadder note to John Prine's career um, in the 80s, he, he had a little bit of a downturn where his albums weren't selling as well. There was German Afternoons and a few of those yeah. that just didn't do quite as well. They all have good songs on them, but they just weren't quite as strong. And then he had throat cancer um, that, was, that really debilitated him for a while. Yeah. Um, and he had two or three surgeries where they had to remove portions of his jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, his voice became a lot more gruff, um, a lot more rough around the edges. This was in the late 90s, I believe, when he had all that happen to him. Um, So, this is kind of his first record after those things have have transpired. He was still touring, he was still, um, you know, playing some writing, but, you know, he hadn't really done a whole lot of work since he had the the cancer. Um, So, so as far as Fair and Square, what's. I know you said you really enjoy that record.
1: Yeah, I like that one. A I can't lot.
0: recall off the top of my head how his vocals were on that record.
1: Uh, his vocals were really good, smooth. Okay, so for John Prime. His,
0: So the throat trouble came after that record, then. So maybe that's why. Maybe yeah. that's why this is his first album since then. So the thir- first thing to know going into it is his voice does sound a bit weathered here, um, which is not a bad thing.
1: No. You expect it to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, at
1: this point,
0: he's not a young guy. He's he's been around for a while now, um, and in a lot of ways, I think his voice being weathered this way even helps to drive home, you know, the metaphors he's singing about in some of the songs. Yeah. Um, but the story is that his wife Fiona basically told him, "You need to write a record. You've got these songs brewing. Just sit down, go in this room. Here's a pen and paper. Write you some songs." And that's basically what he did. Um,
1: That's what any great songwriter does. They come out with songs.
0: And they're great songs.
1: They're great songs. Um
0: They're a little they're a little poignant and sad because for some reason a lot of the songs seem to be dealing with the end of life, or towards the end of life. Yeah. Um there's ones like Summer's End and When I Get to Heaven, (laughs) God Only
1: Knows. And you know though, like well take when I get to Heaven. It's, yeah, it's about the end of a life or the end. But at, just when you're like, man, this is kind of sad. Yeah. It has that John Prine humor. There's, I'm going to smoke a long cigar. I'm yeah. going to, you know.
0: Yeah, there's something that he can do, uh, you know, with with how he sings and his lyrics to where no matter how sad it is, he can kind of flip it on a dime. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's what he says in the chorus. He says, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a, a, a ginger ale and vodka and right. I'm going to s- smoke a nine mile long yeah. cigarette, you know, that's like yeah. all the things that, that you want to do when you get right. to heaven, all the right. crazy, like he's going to kiss a girl on the Ferris wheel, yeah. all these things. Um, and
1: he's, he's one of the few that can put that humor into sadness, Christmas in prison. <laughs> yeah from I mean, one of his early records yeah perfect example yeah
0: that or even dear Abby from his earlier mm-hmm. records all these yeah these songs that have a good humor to them. right and it's you know he has this he has this ability to write a song that possibly if anybody else sang it would be kind of corny but when he does it you're just like oh that's John that's yeah. what he does that's yeah. his kind of song it's brilliant um but I, I think there's you know there's some really Serious tunes on here as well that I think maybe are some of the best songs that he's done in his career. I think "Summer's End" is maybe one of one of those great John Prine tunes that Mm -hmm. will last forever and ever. Um, The metaphors that he talks about in that song about you know hanging hanging the clothes up on the line, yeah, you know at the end of he, he paints this vivid picture of how it feels at the end of summer, and then he has that heartbreaking refrain during the chorus where he's just saying, come on home all the time and yeah. you don't have to be alone. It's, you know, when you take it in in the context of it being the twilight of his life, which he said that he didn't write it for that, but it just kind of came it, out, I guess. Yeah. Um, when you take it in that context, it's a really heartbreaking song.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Um, but then you get a song like uh, The uh, the Lonesome Friends of Science. <laughs> <laughs> which I also think is another all-timer yeah. on his uh, on his list. Which right. it's a uh, it's kind of a send-up of I don't know people taking themselves a little too seriously about everything because he's saying you know, Lonesome uh, friends of science say the world's going to end any day. But I don't care anyway because I just live inside my head with my dog and my family yeah. and like it's it's fantastic.
1: That's classic John Prine. It
0: is, and he even has a verse about how sad it is that Pluto's not yeah. <laughs> part of the planets anymore. Of course he does. And when he sings these things, you like you get this mental picture in your head of like a Pluto that's like anthropomorphic with like arms and legs, yeah. and just kind of like walking off all sad all away sad. from the rest of the planets. It's things like that that make John Prine like a national treasure.
1: Yeah. Totally.
0: Like I, I, don't know any contemporaries that can write songs like he can write. Yeah. You know, a lot of people like to uh, like talk about Jason Isbell, which you know Isbell's very close. Isbell and Amanda Shires are both very close with John Prine. I think he's actually the godfather to their child. Yeah. Um, so they are very close, and they both. Uh, well, I know at least Amanda plays on this record. She's got some some little bits and pieces, as, as well as Brandy Carlile singing some like backup vocals. Um, but as good as Jason Isbell is, you know, I don't... I still think that Prine's got it, man. He's oh, just, well, there's just it, something about him that...
1: As good as Isbell is, he needs 20 more years. Right. You yeah. know, in
0: another 20 years, we might be speaking over in the same yeah. breath. But I, I just think that Prine has this thing about him lyrically that nobody can touch.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he continues to do things that... Nobody else does. Nobody really writes songs like this.
1: Nobody does. Um, and it's it's that true simplicity to spin a yarn, you know, that Christopherson could do it. Right. Bobby Bear could do it. Bob Dylan could do it. Bob Dylan could do it, you know.
0: Which I've always heard Dylan was a huge fan of Prine as well.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's weird that they never... To my knowledge, they've never written together. I don't recorded, believe they collaborated anything.
0: No, I know that. I think Bob went to some shows to see Prime in the early days. Yeah, um, and I think there's some quotes about you know, how blown away he was. Yeah, because um, that was a thing that that Prime did to everybody in the early days was he scared them a little bit because they were like, "Man, how is he writing so many songs that are so good?" Yeah. I mean the whole that first record, every song, is an immediate classic. There's not a there's not a song on there that isn't top to bottom. Top to bottom, um, and you know, in a lot of ways, I personally, personally, now I, I know that maybe we might some different between, but I personally think that this record is the closest he's got to those early records since probably like Common Sense era mid '70s, late '70s. Yeah. Um, I do like In Spite of Ourselves as well, um, but I, I don't. You know, there's there's some stuff on there that just doesn't quite hit
1: as well as these do. Yeah,
0: songs like Knocking on Your Screen Door.
1: That's a great tune.
0: Boundless Love. Yeah. Um, I can't remember which track he talks about frying him up a pork chop. You know, it's it's. I can't remember which one it yeah. is, but he you know he talks about like when I get home, would you fry me up a pork chop, kind of thing. <laughs> right. It's it's um it's songs like that that are just so endearing that sound more like his earlier material where he like really worked on on the craft of, of making them a certain way yeah um, and that's why that's why I think this one's you know one of his all-time best records
1: it's a good one and I and I kind of felt that way about fair and square as well this is almost a continue I felt like I was listening to. A continuation of that that stream of songwriting on that album, you have like Long Monday, mm-hmm. Bear Creek Blues, which is a good one. But I need to go back and listen to that one after listening to this so much. Yeah, I think they're like present day bookends, maybe.
0: That's a good point. I should go back and yeah. listen to it as well. Um, Something to note about the vinyl release It's a really nice vinyl release Um It's Gatefold I want to say Did Third Man press it? Yeah I can't remember I don't think
1: so it. Well it's on Old Boy Records yeah. So
0: he's got his own record label But I'm trying to remember who actually pressed the record Um
1: You think it was United?
0: Might have been United Yeah Um And he's also on With 30 Tigers Which Isbel's a part of as well Yeah Um it's a it's a very Nashville record um it feels very like new Nashville kind right. of it. um kind of like the uh you know on the Lonesome Friends of Science track he, he makes the point in the chorus of I get my mail in Tennessee <laughs> yes. my wife my dog <laughs> right. and my family and like you know he even puts that lyric in there of like you know that's that's his place now yeah. basically uh but the pressing the pressing uh if you can get the record or the uh the independent record store version. Yeah, it's on a beautiful transparent green. It's a pretty sweet. It's like an emerald color. green, maybe a light emerald green. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many pre- they pressed of this. I'm
1: not sure either.
0: It doesn't say on the hype sticker.
1: I know we can't get any more. Yeah, we're
0: kind of <laughs> done with it now. I looked up and grabbed one before we were out. Um, But something else to note as far as along the Americana route is it's also produced by Dave Cobb. You know, he is the Americana King right now. He's produced so many big Americana records. He is. Um, That's true. So that you get really good sound on this album. Yeah. Um, and even on that, on that last track, the when I get to heaven, you hear everybody in the studio kind of singing along with them, Yeah. which is a great, like folksy family feel to it. Sure. Um, but you know at this point Dave Cobb can do no wrong.
1: The Cobb touch. And the
0: Cobb t- he hasn't had a, you know, a bad album yet. No.
1: No, not um, at all.
0: So it's this is this is another notch on his belt of incredible records he's produced, I would say. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so You know we we've rated some others from 1 to 10. Ooh. What what would you say on this one? really good. Really good
1: say it's a definite eight mm-hmm. probably rolling to a nine after I spend more time with it
0: I, I feel like after after playing it a few times and listen all the way through it's a definite between eight and nine I think you're right yeah. on the money it, I don't think it's a perfect record there's a couple no. tracks that I, I would be okay skipping um, but The majority of the tracks are so good and so well written. And like it's one of those that when you start playing it, you'll get a smile on your face. Oh
1: yeah. You're chuckling, you hear a lyric and you're like, dang.
0: It's almost like way to go, John. Yeah. That's killer. And it's like it's like family. It's like hanging out with family.
1: Right. Yeah. You
0: know, like he's just got such a comforting presence that it's almost like you're sitting talking to your grandpa or something. Uh, which I think is another one of his traits That he's always done so well Even in his young days
1: mm-hmm.
0: You know, that one of his first big songs Was Hello in There yeah, Which it, which he wrote at 20 About old people Amazing
1: and that you can write a song yeah, I At mean, that age He wrote like a that. tender
0: song about How old people get ignored over the years yeah. And how you need to take some time To talk to them because there's so much you can learn Totally um, And he wrote it at 20 When everybody else was doing like psych rock and stuff, he's writing this tender ballad about about older people. Yeah. That's not corny, that's a very, you know, serious, legit song. Yeah. Um so I, I think that I think that you need to I think everybody should listen to this record, give it a listen. Um if you're just gonna listen to one song, I'd say start with Summer's End. Yeah. Because I think it's the strongest track on there. It is. Uh, it's not a fun one, but it's it's a really pretty song. But
1: it's a good prime song. It,
0: it is. It's it's prime, prime. Prime, prime. Um, knocking on your
1: screen door. And if you want that I fun, like
0: you hit knocking on your screen door when I get to heaven. Those two are so much fun. Yeah. Uh, and they're great starts and finish to the album. It starts with knocking on your screen door and ends with when I get to heaven. Which I think is a great opener and bookend. Like, ah, that. true, it's, true, it's so good. Yeah. So, me personally, I say it's a definite buy. You think it's a definite buy? I do. All yeah.
1: Right. yeah. Cheers, Matt. Cheers. The lonesome friends of San say the world will end most any day. Well, if it does, then that's okay. Cause I don't live here anyway. I live down deep inside my head Where long ago I made my bed I get my mail in Tennessee My wife, my dog, and my family